Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 289. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by one of the marvelous members of the Blueprint Live Online team. You can find the Blueprint Live Online course at blueprintmcat.com. We are continuing our breakdown of the Blueprint Diagnostic Psych-Soch section, Passage 5 today, finishing up next week with our second set of discretes before jumping into a new series here on the MCAT podcast. So don't forget to subscribe so you get all these amazing episodes for free every week in your podcast player of choice. Again, go to blueprintmcat.com, sign up for a free account, get this diagnostic that we've been covering for the last several months for free. Ali, welcome back to the MCAT podcast. How you doing, my friend? I am doing great. Uh, awesome to be back. Awesome. Love, love being here. <laughs> I don't know if I can say the same. Uh, I, I hate the MCAT and uh, I, I don't like doing these, especially publicly where I get to show students. Sometimes I lose all of my logic and reasoning skills. But hey, I no, do my best no, and hopefully, you're doing great. <laughs> hopefully it's helping someone out there. And I, I love getting it. If this is helping you, I, I love getting DMs and emails and stuff saying, hey, Dr. Gray, I got a 525 and I basically just listen to the podcast. So uh, send those kind messages and give me some motivation if you want, if you want. Um, so we are getting close to wrapping up the half-length diagnostic from Blueprint MCAT, which everyone gets for free with a free account over at blueprintmcat.com. We are in the psych psych section, passage five. So if you want to follow along, go get that free half-length diagnostic, and uh, hopefully you get all of the questions right as we go through this so what do you think ali you ready to go ready to go all right all right so uh let us get started with this passage it looks like we have a figure in the bottom so we might have some sort of an experiment there's a bullet point list in the middle so this might be interesting so always good to get a quick scan of the passage determine well is this a research style or just textbook style this one looks like more closer to research than textbook Okay. All right. Anti antisocial personality uh, disorder is a chronic mental condition in which a person's ways of thinking, perceiving situations, and relating to their peers are dysfunctional and destructive. People with antisocial personality disorder typically have no regard for right and wrong and often disregard the rights, wishes, and feelings of others. Several traits necessary to assess antisocial personality disorder have been identified. 
So we can see that we have a list of these traits. Um, and before we go over them, Ryan, so would you pay too much attention to each one of these bullet points? Uh, probably not because it's laid out there nice for me and I can, I, I can reference them if I need to. Exactly. Perfect. And this is also back at the background. This is a list of symptoms or list of behaviors that we use to identify the antisocial personality disorder. But it's again, it's part of the background and not of our research. Mm -hmm. So looking for that hypothesis. So I'm going to go quickly through these. Okay. Superficial charm, greatly inflated idea of one's ability and self-esteem and a sense of superiority. There might be some content connecting to this about like self uh, worth, self-efficacy, uh, self-esteem. So might come up in a question, but not dwelling on this. Pathological lying, manipulative uh, use of deceit to cheat others of personal gain, lack of remorse or guilt, limited range of, or depth of feelings, callous slash lack of empathy, failure to accept responsibility for own actions. All right, we have this list. Fine, it's there if I have a question. Let's, we're still looking for that hypothesis or at least the purpose of the experiment. Okay. Despite their antisocial behavior, many criminals do not fit the description of antisocial personality disorders. The disorder has both biological and psychological roots. All right, good. So uh, this might be worth highlighting. Medicine is going into this like biopsychosocial approach of viewing disease. So AMC is kind of like invested in you knowing this. So um, I, will, I will highlight this as an important factor. So we're looking for two factors going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, no single gene codes for such a complex behavior, but some studies have detected early signs of antisocial behavior. Figure one below shows the results of an experiment performed to measure levels of the hormone adrenaline in two groups of boys at age 15. So doesn't say explicitly what's the purpose of the experiment, but it seems that they want to measure if adrenaline is different with like criminals versus no criminals. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's look at figure one and tell me, what do you see here? So adrenaline excretion uh, as the y-axis here, uh, mm -hmm. the black boxes being no criminal record. And uh, the, the big thing I see here in this non-stressful situation, it's interesting that the no criminal record has twice as much, uh, based on this y-axis, uh, adrenaline excretion in non-stressful situations. I don't know if I would have assumed that. I would assume like the criminal record people would, would be kind of excited all the time in, in any level. So yeah, it's the opposite. yeah. So it's the opposite of what I assumed. Uh, so uh, I'll keep looking at that, but then the same thing in stressful situation, right? The, the, uh, no criminal record has, um, more adrenaline excretion, although not double like in the non-stressful situation. So I would go, Oh, okay. Maybe, uh, it's, the no criminal record people, they're staying out of trouble because their adrenaline goes and they don't like that feeling. And so they back away. Whereas the criminal record people aren't as phased and they're like, oh, like this is a normal response for me doing bad things. And so uh, that that would be a, a quick little uh, potential hypothesis I would make if, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, we can see that 
adrenal level is lower, so arousal is lower with these individuals. It's, again, not what I expected when I was reading the passage, but it's something to note if it comes up in a question. Now, we're not given statistical significance in the figure, so let's keep reading. Maybe we can get some verification of the results. Okay. In both stressful and non-stressful situations, those who acquired a juvenile criminal record as 12 to 15 years old showed comparatively low arousal. All right, so they kind of confirmed what we got from the figure mm -hmm. and like kind of made the conclusion. So even though the figure did not give me statistical significance, I'm now prepared to answer whenever I get a question to say, well, it was lower for individuals with a criminal record. Yeah. Genetics alone cannot tell the whole story. Relative to 1955, the average American in 2005 was twice as likely to be murdered, four times as likely to be robbed, and five times more likely to be assaulted. Yet, the human gene pool had hardly changed. Hmm. So that's, that's kind of an interesting thought in here. So whenever we have behaviors... Like if, if I'm studying behavior, there are two competing kind of like hypotheses or reasons for the behavior. Mm -hmm. Could be genetic and could be environmental. So the figure is telling me, well, that adrenaline level is different. That's a biological reason. Yeah. Might not be necessarily genetic, but there's biological basis, a difference in their biology. Mm -hmm. But that last last paragraph is suggesting that, well, our genes did not change in the last 50 years. Yeah. And yet, the crime rate has increased much. So it must be more environmental than genetic. Yeah. Now, honestly, here in the back of my mind, before I go to the question, I just know that if they ask me to prove or disprove any of this in any of the questions, think about twin studies. Okay. Whenever they tell you, like, is it genetic? Is it environment? Mm. The answer has to deal with twins. Okay. Because if I want to prove that it's genetic, I need to look at two twins that identical twins who grew up apart but ended up in like the similar outcome both were big criminals or both were non-criminals yeah versus if i want to say environmental two twins raised apart different ses maybe or different families one turned up a criminal one one turned up like attorney general or something <laughs> so uh this is the the type of proof for these skill three questions like propose an experiment or what would sway one or like the the conclusion one way or the other yeah okay perfect so right. let's go and attack those questions questions all right so pretty straightforward passage i'm a little worried uh -huh. about the questions but we'll see question 24 which conclusion all right so we were just kind of assuming some conclusions here uh is supported by figure one a, boys with a criminal record have no automatic res uh, auto autonomic response to stress. Um, okay, I don't think it says that. It just seems a little bit less, right? So so uh, that's a little too extreme for me to be the right answer. B, boys with no criminal record will respond to stress by secreting a lower total level total level of autonomic hormones than boys with a criminal record. Uh, I think that was the opposite of what we saw, uh, potentially, hopefully. <laughs> so C, boys with no criminal records have lower resting levels of adrenaline. Um, okay, so again, I don't think that was what we saw in the figure. So I'm going to ignore that one. 
D, boys with a criminal record will secrete a lower total level, level of autonomic hormones in stressful situation than boys without one. And I think that's what we saw. Now, I'm kind of scared because it's talking about autonomic hormones. And I'm like, well, is adrenaline an autonomic hormone? And now I'm like, uh-oh, are they trying to mess with me using these different words? Um, and so I'm going to throw out A and C. And and I look at B and D, and they are exact opposites, I think, of of. Uh, what it is. So right, boys with no criminal record um, will secrete a lower total level and boys with a criminal record uh, with a criminal record will secrete. I, um, it's kind of scared. Um, and I, I have to take, make the guess that when they say autonomic hormones that they are talking about adrenaline and they're just using a different word. So I'm going to go with D. Perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> The autonomic nervous system is both the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. That sympathetic is mediated through usually epinephrine, norepinephrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's both a nervous system, autonomic nervous system uh, pathway, and it could be also hormonal via the adrenal medulla. So that's perfect. And this is like for our viewers, this is uh, content you need to know for the MCAT that's uh, we have two stress responses. One is chronic and it's mediated by cortisol secreted by the adrenal cortex. And one is more acute response to stress, which is what's being tested in here, which mediated by uh, the autonomic nervous system uh, via adrenaline and uh, noradrenaline or epinephrine and norepinephrine. Yeah. All right. That one scared me for a second. <laughs> so uh, 25... All right. It is found that some people who suffer from antisocial personality disorder have trouble with speech comprehension as children. What brain area is likely associated with this difficulty? All right. So answer choice A, somatosensory cortex, B, Wernicke's area, C, occipital lobe, or D, basal ganglia. A couple of weeks ago, we had Broca's. The person had trouble yes. getting the words out. Uh, and Wernicke's is the opposite of that, understanding speech. So pretty simple, straightforward, pseudo-discrete yeah. here. Uh, answer choice yeah. B, Wernicke's is Arc. welcoming words. Wernicke's welcoming <sighs> words in. Love this. No I, just, yeah. I just thought of that one. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's um, like we said on that last question. Whenever you hear speech, you need to think Broca's and Wernicke. And Broca's is not one of the answer choices, then your choice is very easy here. Mm-hmm. If you're given both, then you have to go where Wernicke is, obviously, because this is not about speech production. This is about comprehension. So we have to go with B. Yep. All right. Question 26. A woman walking to work sees a group of people on the street staring at an open manhole. She stops stops to join them in staring down uh, at the open manhole. Her behavior is an example of. So this is funny. This is uh, I, I always think of uh, people looking up in the sky and everyone's like, what are they looking at? And everyone starts to look. Um, so we have uh, a the bystander effect. I don't uh-huh. like this is, a I think, a popular one that everyone understands where you see something going on. And you're like, ah, there are other people that will handle that. So I'm not going to do anything. Um, so I'm going to ignore that one. B, de-individuation. Seems a little strong potentially for, for this. C, conformity. Mm, okay, right. You're conforming to what they're doing. Uh, or D, groupthink. Um, 
again, I, I go back to, I don't remember all of the strict definitions of these. Can we potentially work our way through it and go, okay. Um, so bystander effect, I think is the only one I know isn't right. I hope, um, B de-individuation is, um, I, and I can talk myself into A going, oh, well, if it's an open manhole, someone should be covering it and no one's covering it and I'm not going to cover it because I assume someone else is going to cover it, right? So I could potentially talk my way into the bystander effect, but I'm going to hopefully avoid that and go, eh, it's too much of a stretch to get there. Yes. Uh, de-individuation, again, I, I don't remember what that means, but it seems too strong of a word of like, oh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't consider myself a, a person anymore because I'm looking at this manhole. I, I assume potentially that's kind of what it means. Conformity, I think, seems like the most obvious of like, oh, I'm yes. conforming to what's going on versus groupthink is the way I think, right? And I think um, I, I'm going to avoid that one because I think maybe it's a little bit stronger of everyone thinks that, uh, or I, everyone I work with is a Republican, I'm a Democrat, but I'm going to start thinking like a Republican. Maybe that's more groupthink. So I'm going to go with C because I think it's the most obvious one. Yes, and it is the most obvious and it is the correct one. And this this topic, uh, we call them social actions or social phenomena, is tricky because knowing the differences between just like conformity, which is a, more of a general term, and then groupthink, deindividuation, the bystander effect, group polarization, peer pressure, uh, social loafing, there's a or social facilitation, there's there's a bunch of them. And Sometimes the difference between one or the other is very, very small. Like the difference, like groupthink, a lot of our students would fall for groupthink or even the, the individuation, which is what you said, like it's too strong for this situation. Mm -hmm. So for this question, let's go through them one by one okay. and we'll try to rule out A, B, and D. The bystander effect is exactly what what you described is a bunch of people walking there's somebody fell down or there's a manhole that's open or there's a situation where someone has to call 911 and in a group people are less likely to act especially if the group is big because they're assuming somebody else will call 911 somebody else will have the old uh, will help the old baby who fell down the stairs uh it's just because uh, of the presence of others. So our behavior is dictated by the presence of other if others, even though we're not really interacting with these other people. Yeah. The uh, individuation could be applied here if the situation, like if you didn't just look at a manhole. So the um, individuation is when we lose our identity into and take on the group, uh, the identity of the group, right? So, um, like, for example, let's say you're leaving a football game and, uh, like, people are rioting. Mm. Your friends are rioting. Everybody, and you take on the identity of the group and you join the rioting. You're not really, like, it's not you anymore. It's the, it's the mob. Mm. You're part of the mob instead of you being yourself. So in this case, this individual looked at a manhole because other people were looking. This is not like I lost my identity to the group. Yeah. Like if they were like suddenly were breaking into dance and then she like forget she has a meeting and then she started dancing with them, that would be more <laughs> the individuation. Okay. Um, then group thing. Group thing deals with making decisions mm. as a group. So it does not apply to this current situation. So group thing, let's say 
you're working with your staff on making a new podcast or new podcast ideas. And like if your staff members stop challenging you and only present evidence that will only support your decisions and your <laughs> ideas. And you can see that they, instead of trying to come up with, oh, what I think is best, they yeah. will say, oh, what will create less friction in this group? And let me present only evidence that Ryan is right or the common, like the, the consensus is right. Yeah. This will be group thing. Yeah. Do, so, you, do you know, Ali, yeah. do you know how I avoid groupthink as, as a leader Yeah. with my team? Um, how, how do I avoid yeah. groupthink? What, what's a common way for, for leaders? Good leaders do this. Uh, I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm interested yeah. to know. So whenever we're working as a team and, and we have a, a dilemma in front of us, I will never give, or I try not to, uh, my, uh, my thoughts. I want everyone else to give their thoughts before I share my thoughts because I don't That's want awesome. people to just agree with me. That's great. That's a great approach to minimize group thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now, I, I is, can't, yeah. I can't avoid it between like the rest of my team of like, if someone says something else and the other person goes, Oh, well, I really like that. And it's very different than mine. So I'm not going to say mine, right. I can't avoid it between everyone else, but for as, it as like the leader sure. part, it, it, at least it, I, I'm trying yeah. to help. That definitely reduces it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. In general, like, we're looking for group size, like bigger group size, probably like higher probability of group thing and uniformity with the group and group cohesion. Like yeah. something like everyone is the same race or everyone is the same gender, everyone is the same age. This increases group thing. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, great job so far. All right. All right. All right. So, uh, last one, I believe. Which organ? All right. So, th this is an interesting uh, passage because most of these questions are pseudo discretes. Uh, question 27 Which organ is associated with the hormone response monitored in the experiment discussed in the passage? All right. So, we are talking about uh, adrenaline, right? The autonomic nervous system, adrenaline, norepinephrine. So, we have A, kidneys, B, adrenal glands, C, thymus, or D, amygdala. And I'm pretty sure it's B, adrenal glands. Perfect. Yes. I, I kind of spoiled it a bit earlier, mentioned the adrenals. Um, fun fact about this, uh, for again, for those of us listening in, um, the most of our endocrine glands, like uh, they come from the mesoderm, like yep. their germ layer origin is the mesoderm. But we talked about the, the um, adrenaline response, the sympathetic response as both hormonal and nervous. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the adrenal medulla is actually uh, used to be, or at least it's evolved from a sympathetic ganglion. So it is actually not derived from the mesoderm, like the adrenal cortex, it's actually derived from the ectoderm, like the rest of the nervous system. Wow. So it's an endocrine gland that's, that's very similar, or actually it has neurons and it's part of the nervous system uh, that not currently, but it evolved yeah. from nervous system tissue. So that's Very why it's cool. ectoderm. Very cool. Um, let's, let's go through the other, the other answer choices he, here to see potentially where they may come into play. So kidneys, uh, like what is anything secreted by the kidneys? I don't. <laughs> uh, so the renin angiotensin system is, yeah. is in the kidney and, um, but I think it's a trick answer choice in here because the adrenals sit on, th on top of the kidney. Mm, yeah. So uh, they're kind of trying to to confuse you on location. Just like, okay. oh, it's right there. It's right next to it. Okay. Uh, thymus? Th 
Thymus, this is where like it's known like for the MCATs, the fun fact or the fact about thymus, this is where T cells uh, mature. Okay. So part of the immune response, immune yeah. system. Yeah. Okay. And, and amygdala. Amygdala is part of the brain. It's, yep. it's involved in the fear response and memory mm -hmm. of or emotional memory. Yep. Uh, so it makes the neurotransmitters that doesn't make hormones. Yeah. All right. Pretty straightforward. So again, uh, hopefully the goal of these podcasts with me trying to answer these questions is showing people even an old guy like me can still get a lot of these questions right just by thinking through the question, not throwing up a block of, I don't understand this, I don't remember this, I don't know these words, and just trying to be positive and go, hey, let's see if I can figure it out. All right, so there you have it. Again, that was the Blueprint MCAT Diagnostic Psych Soch Section Passage 5, which you can get for free at blueprintmcat.com, as well as their amazing study planner tool, 1600 plus flashcards on their brand new spaced repetition platform, full length one from Blueprint MCAT as well, and lots of other goodies. Go check them out again, blueprintmcat.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT podcast. This is MedEd Media.